Verses 6 to 9 in our passage are really challenging. I think it's better to translate verse 6 as, let us rejoice, but it's still hard. Peter is telling us to rejoice when we suffer trials of all kinds. Why? Because God is like using them like a refiner's fire to purify our faith, to prove it genuine. That's a really challenging idea. Before we go on to that, let me just remind you of what he's just said, Peter. Peter's told us that we have been given new birth into a living hope that is kept in heaven for us, where it can never spoil, fade or perish. So he's telling us, remember the resurrection. Remember what Jesus Christ has done for you and what that means, not just for now, but for always, that we're looking towards our heavenly home. So we need to remember our home, remember our hope, remember all that Jesus has done. And on that basis, Peter tells us, on that basis, let us rejoice when we face challenges and sufferings and trials of all kinds. Why? Because we're being invited to be like Jesus. That's one of the consistent themes of the letter. We remember from Hebrews 2 that, that we're told that even Jesus was made perfect through suffering. We're told in Hebrews 5 that he, even Jesus learned obedience through suffering. So we're following in the footsteps of Jesus as we take this difficult road. So we're told to rejoice, rejoice remembering what God has already done for us through Jesus. The resurrection, our inheritance kept in heaven for us where it can never fade. And we remember the not yet, that we are going to inherit all of that. And we're caught between the now and the not yet. And in this place, in that, the place between the now and the not yet, Peter tells us, we're going to face all kinds of trials. All kinds of trials. And the challenge to us is to respond to them in the right spirit. Uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, in his amazing book, The Gulag Archipelago, uh, has an incredible chapter called The Ascent. In it, he's talking about uh, the extraordinary impact on the, on the inmates within the gulags. You know, uh, uh, would, they, would they rise to the challenge? Would they ascend? Would they grow? Would they grow in character and in, in morality? Or would they, as many did, just descend to the, to the worst ravages of bestiality? That was for him the challenge. Would they rise or would they fall? It was a terrible situation. It was an appalling situation, uh, unjust, unjust suffering that he suffered. And yet, Alexander Solzhenitsyn found Christ in prison. One of the extraordinary comments he makes in that amazing chapter, The Ascent, in the book, is to say, thank you, prison, for being in my life. He was unjustly, uh, uh, unjustly punished. He wasn't guilty of the crime for which he was punished. He was there for years and years and years. And yet that was the place in which extraordinarily he found God, he found Christ, and he ascended. He rose to the challenge and he grew in character in prison, in a place that was destructive for so many people who were there. 
could talk about Nelson Mandela and Robben Island, again uh, unjustly imprisoned for years and years and years with no hope of release. And yet in that place, in that place he ascended like Solzhenitsyn did. He ascended and became a genuine architect of peace and reconciliation uh, between the nations. If you want to know more about the story, uh, I'd recommend the film Invictus, which is around the first Rugby World Cup held in South Africa. An extraordinary way he mediated between the tensions that were there in the country at that time. Corrie ten Boon is another who found the hiding place, found her hiding place in God, in Christ, even in concentration camps, saw miracles of provision even in concentration camps. Those are three heavy-duty examples. Let me give you a much simpler one. When I was looking for a curacy, um, I prayed uh, in my first year that it would all be over by the summer, it would all be resolved. Um, the first the place we went to, uh, we felt really convicted that we had to say no, which made my diocese really, really cross. We then went to two more, and again we had no conviction at all that they were the right place. Time was going on, we prayed it would be sorted out before the summer, we prayed it would be sorted out before Christmas, we prayed it would be sorted out before Easter. It was not. And through all of that time, I've got to be honest, uh, a theological college isn't a great place to be suffering publicly because you've got lots of, uh, lots of trainee vicars with very rudimentary pastoral skills who will want to ask you the question. You've become a source of gossip and then you're walking to the dining room and you have to tell the same story over and over again. Some people suggested to us that we were being too picky and yet for us it was this conviction that how can we say yes to something if we do not believe that that is what God is requiring. It was finally sorted out six weeks before ordination uh, which was really really challenging time. And I compared it to the tempering of steel. Iron is heated up super hot and then it's cooled really, really quickly. And that tempers the steel. It produces a quality in the, in the metal that isn't natural to it and wouldn't come any other way. It's a consequence of the processing. So what we're talking about all throughout this idea of the refiner's fire is, is something like that. The God is producing stuff in us that won't come any other way. It's often said that Jesus accepts us as we are, and that's absolutely right. When we turn to Christ, he accepts us as we are, but he loves us far too much to let us remain as we are. He wants to grow us. The Father wants to grow us in Christ-likeness. The Father wants to grow us so that we can abide really close to him, and the Father wants to grow us so that we become more fruitful and more faithful for him and the world around us, so that other people can meet Jesus through us as well. So this is a critical question. Are we able to rejoice in the sufferings, the trials we face? Are we able to respond to them in the right character? Are we able, like Solzhenitsyn, to ascend? Are we able, like Mandela, to, to transcend racial differences? Are we able, like Corrie ten Boom, to find even in a hopeless place of utter suffering that God is her hiding place and that God provides? The word that means trials is a word that can mean to tempt or to test. It's the word uh, applied to the testings of Jesus in the desert. And the tests are not about passing and failing. 
The purpose of an exam is, is to assure that you get to the right standard, that you guarantee the quality of the person who passes. It's not designed to make people fail, it's designed to make people reach the right standard. So we are tested sometimes by God to ensure that we uh, become purer channels for God's love, God's grace and God's peace in the world. Tests have to be real. Um, they can't be simulations. Uh, th there has to be something at stake in the tests if we are to rise to the challenge, if, we, if they are to purify our character. Romans 5 talks about suffering. Again, it's the same word, trials, suffering or afflictions. Suffering producing perseverance, perseverance, character, and then character leading to hope. That doesn't happen in a laboratory. It doesn't happen in a simulation. It has to happen in real world situations. There is stuff in our characters, stuff in our histories and memories, stuff in our lives and our relationships that God longs to change. And not because he's a control freak, but because it's for our good and for the good of those around us. And again, it's because he wants us to become Christ-like. He wants us to be able to live really close to him because there's nothing that offends uh, him about how we're living. And he longs for us to become more fruitful and more faithful in the world around us. So the tests have got to be real. You might think about all, I, I can think about all of the uh, footballing injuries I've had over the years. I've got rehabbing about after ankle ligament damage right down. I know exactly what I do. Uh, I, I know how to use a wobble board and all of this kind of stuff. You think about the rehabilitation after a knee replacement. Sometimes the rehabilitation is harder than the replacement because actually the exercise is hurt. We have to push ourselves. There are all kinds of ways in which, uh, in which as we discipline ourselves, as we train ourselves, we will grow in Christ. That's why spiritual disciplines matter so much. So the tests have got to be real. And the tests often are not caused by God. Sometimes they're caused by the enemy, sometimes it's just stuff in our lives, sometimes we just make stupid decisions and we run into difficult places. They're not usually caused by God unless we have been willfully and persistently ignoring what he's telling us to do. Then sometimes he will stand against us until finally the penny drops. But he uses those to grow us in Christ. All of this is a middle voice phenomenon. It is us learning to cooperate with what God is doing in us. And then we see that ascent, as Solzhenitsyn called it. Then we see that, that uh, ascent, as, as, as Paul describes it, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And Paul makes an extraordinary promise. When we respond to the test that we face in that way, suffering, perseverance, character, hope, we're told that hope will never cause us to be ashamed. Why? Because God pours out his love into our hearts by the the Holy Spirit whom he has given. So God is present throughout this process, cheering us on, working with us, uh, working on us so that we become more Christ-like, so that we can live close to him, abide in him, and so that we can become more fruitful and faithful in the world around us. So let us rejoice when we realise we are suffering trials. Why? Because there is an opportunity in there to ascend, 
There's an opportunity in there to discover our hiding place in God, as Corrie ten Boone puts it. There is an opportunity for that suffering to become uh, the uh, point of ascension, the point of departure for, for perseverance, for character and for hope, and then discovering that the God's love is poured out into our hearts all over again. So what does all this mean for us today? Living in the midst of a pandemic, uh, worrying that things are closing down again rather than continuing to open up. Well, it is an opportunity for us to grow in Christ. The challenges I think that we face are to be comforted people. Talks in 2 Corinthians 1 that we, we are comforted by God so that we can comfort others. So the challenge is, are we comforted people? Are we people genuinely knowing Christ's peace and therefore able to share that with those around us? Second challenge, I think, is to be listening people, to be those who are hearing God's heartbeat uh, and, and prompting and then responding to it in obedience. We are in a world without direction. Uh, we're in a world where we really don't know go where we're going at the moment. So the challenge, I think, for us in this season is to become listening people, people who hear what's on God's heart and rise and obey. And I think the third challenge is to be steadfast people. Uh, people who know God as their refuge, their stronghold, as Corrie ten Boone described it. People who know God's strength, God's peace, watching over them like a sentinel in a world which is lost, in a world which is aimless, and in a world where lots of things feel like they're being shaken. So the challenge to be comforted people in a world filled with anxiety, to be listening people in a world that has lost its way, and to be steadfast people in a world that feels dangerous and fearful and is shaken. That's the challenge, or rather that's the invitation. The invitation to us to grow in Christ at a time like this, to grow in Christ-likeness. The invitation is to become even closer to our Heavenly Father because we are purer, because there's less that offends Him. And the challenge to become more fruitful and more faithful in the world. The challenge to be comforted people, the challenge to be listening people, and the challenge to be steadfast people. There may be other challenges you're facing. I just invite you to rise and obey and to go through that process of suffering, perseverance, character and hope and know that hope will not cause you to be ashamed. Our hope in Christ which is kept in heaven for us, which is guaranteed by the resurrection in the present will never cause us to be ashamed because God will pour out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. What's the invitation? How will you rise and obey? What are the trials you're facing at the moment? And how is God working in them to produce perseverance, character and hope?